Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Out west, near Hotch Hotch, there's a Hotch Hotcher bee watcher. His job is to watch to keep both his eyes on their lazy town bee. A bee that is watched will work harder, you see, so he watched and he watched, but in spite of his watch, that bee didn't work any harder, not much. So then somebody said, our old bee-watching man just isn't bee-watching as hard as he can. He ought to be watched by another hotch-hotcher. The thing that we need is a bee-watcher-watcher. Well, the bee-watcher-watcher watched the bee-watcher. He didn't watch so well, so another hotch-hotcher had to come in as well as a watch-watcher-watcher. And now all the hotchers who live in hotch-hotch are watching on watch-watcher-watchering-watch, watch-watching the watcher who's watching that bee. You're not a hotch-hotcher. You're lucky, you see. (laughs) Dr. Seuss. (laughs) Gateway to imagination. Consider with me the universe of possibilities in doing apparently nothing. You are gazing out the window or watching, aimless but happy. You are, as poet Mary Oliver says it, idle and blessed. And what's happening? She writes, I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? What's happening? Nothing, everything. I know that some of you have big imaginations, rich interior lives, visionary, yes, though I'm thinking today more of dreamers than of prophets. I'm compelled by the challenge to make room in our lives for more staring into space because I have a hunch that though we know how to do that, we've forgotten. Or worse, we only feel guilty and impatient when we catch ourselves in reverie. Here is Rainer Mario Rilke's anointed advice to the young poet. No human being anywhere can answer for you those questions and feelings that deep within them have a life of their own. I want to beg you as much as I can to be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and to try to love the questions themselves. Love 
the questions. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answers. When I met Benedictine brother David Stendhal Rost, he was living in a contemplative community in a converted lighthouse on an island in Maine. Mostly he and his brothers were silent. When he spoke, the rest of us got silent. He said, we are all meant to be mystics. Every human being is a special kind of mystic. I'm talking, he said, about mysticism in the strictest sense as the experience of communion with ultimate reality. All of us are certainly called to experience this communion. You are called to be that special kind of mystic that only you can be. This has something to do with the child in us, he continues, longing to find meaning and openness to meaning that tends to be lost or at least overshadowed by our preoccupation with purposefulness. There's a great longing for contemplation that we tend not to develop. The typical, sorry, the typical circumstance of a child when seen in public these days is one of being dragged along by a long arm. Everyone is in a hurry. But children just want to look at or listen or to put everything into their mouths. We destroy this capacity for openness. We can choose it again. So I want to connect the dots between the cultivation of imagination through patience and reverie and that capacity for openness and what Brother David is calling the mystical experience of communion. In the color purple, Alice Walker Shug says, one day I was sitting quiet. It come to me, that feeling of being part of everything, not separate at all. I knew that if I cut a tree, my arm would bleed. And I laughed and cried and I run all around the house. I knew just what it was. In fact, when it happened, you can't miss it. I also want to say that imagination for imagination's sake is enough. Looking and listening and putting everything into our mouths, as it were, and contemplating and communion and mystical experience are enough. And enough is as good as a feast, full stop. But because we are in New England, after all, and perhaps a bit puritanical, which is to say purposeful and maybe a wee bit lopsided in favor of purpose over just about anything, 
I will also say that a big imagination strengthens our creativity and our powers of problem solving and improves our odds for success. Author Remes Sasson says that a developed and strong imagination does not make you a daydreamer in the negative sense. It is not impractical. On the contrary, it is a tool for recreating and remodeling your life and your world. Imagination is a great power that can change everything. This is the spirit in which pioneer aviator Saint-Exupéry said in pre-gender inclusive language, a rock pile ceases to be a rock pile the moment a single man contemplates it bearing within him the image of a cathedral. Or when Michelangelo said, I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. Imagination. Some assembly required. Or years in the making with no safety net, no guarantee. If we had all day, I would now proceed to go on and on and on about Bucky Fuller. But just one story. You may know our Buckminster Fuller as the inventor of the geodesic dome. He also coined the term spaceship earth. I had the wonderful opportunity to hear him speak. The lasting impression is of the way he returned time and again over the course of a long, rambling presentation to a kind of refrain, a gesture, arm out to the side, hand cup, fingers jointing, downwards, downwards, jabbing down, proclaiming, the dodecahedron, the dodecahedron. No idea what he was talking about. Out of it all, however, I understood one brief story, and it was enough. A little background, and then I'll tell the story. Bucky Fuller was born in Milton, Massachusetts. He was the grandson of a Unitarian minister, the great-grandnephew of transcendentalist Margaret Fuller. He attended Milton Academy and Harvard, and the first time he was expelled from Harvard, it was for partying with a vaudeville troupe. So after lots of great adventures, he married Anne Hewlett. He was 32 when their baby was born, but the baby died. And Bucky became mired in depression. He began to drink alcoholically. And he told us that one night he walked till he came to stand on a bridge, contemplating suicide. By grace, in this darkest hour, a bright ray of insight broke through. Then and there, he determined to make something of his life, he said, by conducting an experiment to find what a single individual can contribute to changing the world and benefiting all humanity. So that challenge pulled him back from the edge, and he never turned back. Later, he refined that commitment, dedicating himself to the search for the principles governing the universe and to help advance the evolution of humanity, finding ways of doing more with less to the end that all people everywhere can have more. Bucky Fuller said that in order to work, a utopia 
has to include everyone. Bucky Fuller was a dreamer and a doer, a mystic of sorts, who chose to live with both purpose and meaning. A man with a big imagination. Oh, so much more to say. But that's how imagination is. Open the door, give it an inch, and it will take you miles and miles and miles. So let's close with Mary Oliver's wild geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. Beloved spiritual companions, may we cultivate the mystic in us, longing for meaning, open. May we be idle and blessed. May we live the questions. The world offers itself to our imagination. May we be dreamers and doers. May we too see the angel and carve until we set them free. Amen.